Happy Wednesday, guys. It's Dan Gonzalez here. Episode 25, I think, of the Sword Monsters podcast. Today we have another awesome guy named Dan, um, Dan Healy. He is out in uh, the East Coast currently. I met Dan when I was like doing a VC stint, and uh, a friend of ours, uh, Nelson Wang, had approached me and said, uh, this guy is doing some cool stuff. And me, I love the uh, sports betting market. I mean, just sports in general, to be honest, uh, as a spectator. And when I heard that there was like a way to like, or what, what he was building, I just had to take a look and grew fascinated with it. And they quite recently closed a seed round of about 1.5 million, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they did have some cool investors there that you may know, like DraftKings. And uh, uh, I mean, he'll refresh my memory as, as soon as we bring him in. But Dan, Dan the man, happy to have you here, man. How are you? Hey, Dan. It's Great to reconnect with you. Happy day. Happy January. I'm sure it's nicer where you are than the, the beautiful weather we're experiencing here in the in the Northeast. Yeah, I mean, it was the coldest day yesterday, like 37 degrees, but uh, I don't think that's cold for you or, or all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's cold. I think that's cold for anybody. <laughs> yeah, I guess freezing is 32, right? So uh, anything that hovers in the 30s, regardless of where you're in the world, it's pretty cold. True. Yeah, we're we're on the same. We're playing in the, in in the same game here. Then, yeah, it's cold. <laughs> well, well, for sure. So, I also want to mention Dan. You're the CEO of a startup called Pickup, right? Which is maybe if you could give some context on on what you do and uh, how, how you guys are uh, attacking the sports betting market. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, I'm co-founder CEO. Uh, my co-founder is is this amazing human being. Uh, first and foremost, but also an amazing designer, a guy named Chris Meisner. Um, we started Pickup about, it's been just over a year and a half. And the sports betting market, which we should absolutely dive into, is just, it's been a rocket ship and it's been some amazing learnings. Um, but we built this company because what we saw was we saw that if sports betting was going to to be uh, really adopted by the general public, by the casual fan, which is what it needs to, what needs to happen in order for it to, to really be a successful um, business, then that was going to be driven by the conversation uh, around media, big media and, and hyper local. And so we created a platform that enables content creators, um, primarily bloggers, writers, to embed contextually relevant questions directly into their content. It makes it playable. Uh, it makes it engaging. It gives them some amazing stats, uh, but it also allows them to tap into to this this growing uh, sports betting market. For sure, yeah. So, to my knowledge, I think I was in Vegas around the same time a year ago, and that was the only place that I could make a sports bet. But outside of Vegas, is FanDuel and like DraftKings like is that available everywhere in the U.S. or like? So last year, uh, last year we saw growth. Last year, six states and the District of Columbia uh, pushed legislation through. And so now there are 19 states that allow sports betting and the District of Columbia in, in some capacity. Not all, not all of those are, are uh, mobile. So there's a big difference between mobile sports betting and land-based sports betting. Uh, the primary difference is you have to actually be <laughs> – at a casino to place bets where it is, it is legal um, only in, in land-based environments. But 
the state of New Jersey, which was was one of the uh, the more progressive states, the first state to go legal, um, kind of set the bar for how important mobile sports betting is. And so now states like Virginia a couple of days ago, Michigan last week, Colorado, um, West Virginia, um, we are legal in um, – why am I blanking? Obviously, the state of New Jersey, Indiana. Um, so there's about, I think we, we are a legal affiliate now in I think eight states. Um, and we'll probably see about seven or eight more this year, including uh, a, a big one, which is the state of New York. Wow, New York. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty interesting. So I guess what we could also talk about is how you kind of got the idea to, to create Pickup and like, you know, where'd you get the idea? And um, uh, how long were you sitting on the idea before, I guess, making things? Um, uh, before bringing it to life or, or trying to? To life, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, so I, I've always been, I've, I've been kind of one of these people that uh, has lived in different areas, right? I was born in, in San Francisco, actually in the city in San Francisco, and, and then grew up in Seattle um, as, a, as a child, made my way out to Connecticut lived in Connecticut for a while, went to school in Ohio, and then found myself in Brooklyn, New York. Um, and every place that, that I lived, uh, I, I had you know, a, a sense of community, and that community was typically surrounded by sports and the conversation in sports. It's like the, it's the uniform, right? So I lived in Seattle when the Sonics were there. Okay. Uh, back in, in the days of, of Sean Kemp and Detlef Schrempf and, and Gary Payton and that whole crew. Um, the Mariners when Griffey and Griffey, Griffey and Griffey's dad were playing on the team, Randy Johnson, um, you know, that, that whole, that whole crew. And so I, I had this, you know, I had this affinity for, for the Supersonics and for, uh, and for the Mariners and then moved out to, uh, to Connecticut and adopted the, the Red Sox as my team, um, which, you know, it was we weren't really watching West Coast games as, as young kids, so I had to pick a between the Yankees and the Red Sox. I picked the Yank or I picked the uh, the Red Sox and, and I picked the Patriots, um, both of which panned out long. You know, not not even long term, <laughs> pretty short term. Um, and then I found myself out in Ohio for school. And if you've gone to any Big Ten schools, you know that the if you don't know who the up and coming sophomore lineman is, that's likely to. Uh, to say that they're going to Ohio State, then you're out of the loop. And so it was, it was a culture, it was an environment, right? And then I found myself in Brooklyn and, and fell in love with the Nets. And so um, all of that coming back to, to this, this place where I, I had recognized that community is driven by sports. Sports conversations used to happen in person. That is shifting to digital. Sure. And giving people the ability to, to really power those digital conversations and quantify them, uh, it doesn't exist. And sports betting does that, but sports betting isn't for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so the platform that we've created allows people to, to make picks on headlines, essentially the stuff that matters to you. And if you get those picks, right, you win pick coin, pick up coins, those pick up coins are worth tangible goods. You can convert them in the marketplace. And, and that's what we're building. For sure. Yeah. I was actually like an active, like a beta, beta tester for that. And I love the, uh, the UI and like all the, uh, fun features that you guys had. And I realized that, uh, my, like, expertise and picking the picking the the win like the the who's gonna score the most in the game or like who's gonna um uh you know have the these stats was like just uh not as um what is it called not as uh 
accurate as I thought it would be. So that's, that's fun. You know, I think, I think, uh, you know, like in the office or anywhere, um, anyone has like, uh, this, this conversation about sports, it's like, um, okay, if you, this is your team, then this is my team. It's like, I want to make a bet and I want to like challenge you. Right. So it's pretty cool how you, how you created that. But, um, just one more thing into that story. Like, how did you start? Like, did you make a website or like, did you like first build out an app or like how, what was like one of the first steps in, in this whole thing? Yeah, we built an app. So, um, my background, I, I used to, to, um, help run a company called Prolific Interactive. Oh, okay. And, uh, we built primarily mobile apps for everybody from SoulCycle to American Express, Abercrombie, Gap, Old Navy, kind of all the, the retailers, uh, a lot of retailers, a lot of health and wellness companies, a lot of fintech companies. Um, and so our experience, our network, the people we knew and what we knew how to do was building native mobile applications. So it was really easy for us to spin up an app and to spin it up in a, uh, in a very specific location and, and in the process to validate a lot of the hypotheses that we had around user behaviors. For sure. Yeah. Um, how long ago is, uh, like a year or two ago or? Yeah. So we spun that app up in, um, June of 19 leading into the all-star game in cleveland oh dude yeah i remember that yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah so that was our you know we had a we had a market we had an event we had 1200 users on this on this beta app and we were just tracking would they make picks would they come back what was the stickiness right 1200 users 1200 active users um they made like 150,000 picks over the course of the three months they were like it was so they were so active Sure. And, and, and so a lot of the behaviors that we wanted to validate, um, we did, <laughs> we felt really good about that. Yeah. And then it was, it was like, how do you, you know, how do you kind of scale that out? And so that's what we've been working on. Right. right. Dan, uh, quick question here. I mean, you know, for most people, um, you know, when they hear of VC backed business, they think about, you know, enterprise software, maybe some FinTech, right. But most of them are kind of enterprise B2B, but you know, you're basically building a tech-enabled, you know, sports-related application. How did that conversation go with venture capitalists um, or at least investors? Um, how do you go in there? Because we have a lot of listeners that, you know, are passionate to execute on a specific segment, let's say sports. Uh, but then they all get pigeonholed in. You know what? I'll just go to, like, build a B2B SaaS company. Uh, how, how do you do this? Uh, and, and why do you have conviction, let's say, versus just... Uh, doing other things, right? Uh, going in front of VCs. Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. I guess, I guess my, my answer is a, a little bit more personal than it is broad advice. My, my background and my experience is in, it's, it's in building platforms and in building consumer facing product. And so I, I, I didn't feel the need to just fill a hole in a market with a b2b tool you know that that wasn't where my passion lied that that i didn't i didn't have any real conviction around that what i what i saw was i saw an evolving market of quickly evolving market in the world of sports betting and i i saw user behaviors that we then validated and then i saw a market of like a as we search for product market fit, I tried to figure out where do we live first. And, and the place where, where we could clearly live was across this market of independent publishers who are really being pushed out of the sports media world by some of the, the bigger sports publishers. And so um, I, 
you know, I, I recognized a way to monetize a distribution channel as opposed to pay for distribution. And in the process, add a ton of value to the fan. And as long as the product that we're building added a ton of value to the fan and we had a clear case for monetization, um, you know, the VCs that we talked to got it. I think the big, the biggest difference or, or I guess the, the most important element of that was that we took a targeted approach. We had conversations with VCs mm -hmm. that got sports tech, right? That didn't feel like we needed to, to build a B2B enterprise platform because that fit their portfolio. And so we didn't get, we didn't get pushed around there. It was more about going after people that were looking for something. And if it made sense to them, which two KB partners who led our, our seed round and, and to drive by DraftKings and Kinetic Ventures uh, and a bunch of our amazing angels, it, it does make sense. It's actually exciting, right? Because they see all these other super siloed approaches and, and ours is, is broad, but, but validated in a sense. For sure, yeah. What do you think is the kind of differentiator between you and like a DraftKings or like a FanDuel? Is it that the fans are actually like feeling part of a community instead of like, um, or I mean, I'm not too familiar with DraftKings and, and uh, FanDuel, but um, uh, if that's like sort of like the, the thing that people put on a pedestal when it comes to sports betting, like what is it that Pickup and you are um, all about? Yeah, so we're different. So we, uh, we, we actually work with, DraftKings, for instance, and we work with points bet. We work with the sports books. Um, we're we're more of a of a of a funnel into them, right? So DraftKings, um, I, if you, if we want to take you want to take a quick step back and just kind of get a lay of the land for for what's happening in the in the sports betting market, is that helpful? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I'm sure people would definitely appreciate that. Sure. So uh, so when sports betting when when POSPA was repealed in May of 2018. Uh, essentially what that said was states could make the decision to offer legalized sports betting. And um, that led to a, a flurry of sports books coming in from, from the UK and from other countries as well as some homegrown ones popping up here in the U S um, and, and everybody wanted to create a sports book and, and basically be set up to offer sports betting as states began to go legal. Um, the biggest advantage was to FanDuel and to DraftKings because they already had that that audience, um, which were sports bettors that played daily fantasy sports. So their ability to convert DFS players, daily fantasy sports players, to sports bettors, it's almost impossible to compete with if you're a William Hill or a BetMGM or uh, a PointsBet, which is an Australian company, or you know a Caesars or a whomever. Uh -huh. And... Um, the reason it's it's so difficult to compete with is because you're you're playing you're you're fighting a battle of user acquisition, right? And so the 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 opportunity initially in in the quote unquote gold rush is really in the acquisition dollars um, right off the bat, and the 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 competition is for the coveted three spots that follow FanDuel and DraftKings, and those are currently filled by BetMGM. Points bet and Penn. Penn did a deal with Barstool Sports, which solidified them as you know the they they win right now as it relates to the hybrid of media and sports betting. Right. Um, Points bet did a deal with NBC, and BetMGM has a joint venture with Roar Digital and has created a a mechanism for for acquiring customers across a number of different media properties. Um, over the last week and a half, 
we're we're starting to see more activity in the M&A space as Bally's bought something called uh, Bally's Casino bought something called Monkey Knife Fight. Okay. And uh, and then Caesars just took a majority stake in a in a DFS company as well. And so right now what's happening is it's a battle for customer acquisition. However, what people don't really think about and don't really understand is that the the world of sports betting is actually a relatively low margin business. It's a 4 or 5% margin business and the opportunity is actually in the online casino. Does that mean that um the house is essentially not succeeding in in I mean is it losing to the consumer or is that uh no, not really. So a good uh, a really good line setter in the sports betting space um, breaks, breaks even. And then they get the big, they get a, they get the, the piece on top of it. That's how they make their money. And that's typically, you know, 10% of, of whatever it is that you're betting. And so, um, you know, if you, if you've been to Las Vegas and you've seen how sports books exist, they're a great entry point into the casino, yeah. uh, but the casinos make all of their money on slot machines <laughs> and, and then, you know, table games and, and stuff like that. And so, Sports betting is actually uh, an entry point for the the world of uh, you know the the sports books to bring people into their online casinos and for the media companies an opportunity to sell data and 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 get ad dollars. Yeah, that's that's totally totally demystifies like what I um or what uh sort of like that missing puzzle puzzle piece um and yeah I think that's super fascinating. I was in Vegas like exactly a year ago and made some bets on the Super Bowl that didn't pan out, but. I mean, yeah, man, I mean, that is... It looked like it was going to pan out, though, didn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's just so much fun in, in sports betting, but there's, like, also the aspect of, uh, is this, like, a vice, or is this, like, a, like a what do you call it, like, um, just a thing that shouldn't be legal? So do you think that you see the market growing in, like, California here? I, can, I mean, we yeah. can do this. Yeah, I don't think California is going to go anytime soon, um, just because of the the agreements that uh, are are in place there. Okay. With, um, you know, the the casinos I think are, are primarily driven by Native American tribes, and it's it's just going to be a little bit more difficult for California. Um, but we will see New York this year, and we will see Texas this year, um, and we'll see you know a, a bunch of other states going live. Um, in live, you mean online gambling? Yeah, uh, yeah, online and, and mobile. And, and then we'll see pretty much all of Canada drop over the next three years, which will be pretty intriguing as well, especially what? for the hockey market. Yeah, okay. That's, that's pretty interesting. I like that picture that you painted. And um, uh, I think now we could just like talk about regular entrepreneurship type of stuff. And um, you just keep talking about the sports betting market? You can't just... I, can't I don't just... know, man. <laughs> <laughs> just talk to my one group of people that care about the, the, the uh, what do you call it, the the measurement or the metrics behind sports betting. Yeah. Let's talk entrepreneurship. Let's yeah. Talk. Okay. So, uh, the, the, what, I mean, entrepreneurship probably to a lot of people is one of the hardest things that they can venture out into, right? Just since that there's no structure that's set in place to, I guess, get everything done. If you're a founder, if you're like a seat first time CEO or, um, you're going out on it on your own. What, uh, what made you like really decide to, to do this instead of like what you were doing before, like what made you say that I want to be a founder and, and bring this uh, whole thing um, from scratch? Well, I, so my first startup, um, it was actually while I was at school at Ohio state. So I was, I was there, it was 2005. 
And I started a company called SloopyMenus.com. If you are familiar with Ohio State at all or Big Ten football. I know that Joe, Nick Bosa from, from the Niners. You would know Nick Bosa. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, he, so, so Sloopy, uh, Hang On Sloopy was our school song. And we started a company called SloopyMenus.com. And basically what it did was it did exactly what um, a Grubhub or a Seamless does today. Uh, but it did it specifically for the Columbus, Ohio market. So we got there, we're looking around and we're like, oh my goodness, there are 50,000 students here, 100,000 people come to campus, 200,000 on game day. And these kids are sitting here on their laptop in their dorm room or in their houses or apartments. And they've got a menu board up on the wall with paper menus and they're calling. And we recognize that we could create a um we could create a, a, a website that basically scanned those menus and allowed people to go and, and order online okay so we licensed the software from uh, an amazing group of guys that that i knew at penn state that had started a company called lion menus and um and we started to build that and what i what i saw i don't need to go too too far mm-hmm. into that but there, there's something about um there, there's there's something about having something that is your own that everybody kind of expects to to fail or nobody understands how big of a deal it is and and you just it's it's all in your control right like the things that are in your control are completely in your control you don't have to like you don't have to sit there and think about how somebody else is is playing politics to get your job or you literally like you lay the playing field you set it up and the value that you can bring to new markets to do things that seem so simple that nobody did before is the greatest feeling in the world. It's so fulfilling. It's so satisfying. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, I think any, any entrepreneur um, uh, in the sense of that word um, doesn't have to be startups at all. Right. Like it could just be, I had an idea to make a, um, a restaurant uh, and, and that's sort of that flavor of entrepreneurship or it's like, I wanted to, I mean, this podcast, I wanted to make a podcast and I had no idea what the hell I was doing <laughs> like uh, eight months ago, but now it's like we're getting CEOs and high level people to, to come on and talk to us for like an hour or so. And I think it's been pretty cool. And I, I mean, comparing this to the regular work life of uh, employee is it's more exciting to tell you the truth. And like, it is also more painful or I mean more emotional. Um, do you ever feel like, or have you ever found yourself getting, I guess, caught up in the, 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 the side of the business that just um, can be, that's just hard. That's uh, like, uh, yeah. or like failure or like, you know, does like what gets, goes through your head, I guess. Um, if, uh, if uh, there's like doubts or, or how do you deal with that stuff or just tell us about anything in that. Uh, yeah. Of, um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's interesting that the word conviction is so regularly used in the investment community um, because I didn't really understand. You know, I never thought about conviction um, as as something that, that like really matters. <laughs> but if you have conviction around something, I think that it shows. I think it's impossible to fake. Okay. I think it's impossible to fake when you really believe in something. Yeah, and I I think that what yes i have I've, i always have fears right like if, if things aren't freaking me out if i'm not concerned about certain things you yeah. know if i'm not concerned about about sorry i'll shut slack off <laughs> um, if i'm not concerned about 
the everything, right? The state of the market, the the state of of the the political space, the state of our 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 team, and what we're what we're building, the the state of the product roadmap. Then, then I'm not thinking enough. But um, what I've I think what what I've learned is that it's really, 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 really hard at the beginning. Uh-huh. And it's really hard because you, you, you're working to get the resources necessary to surround yourself with people that can actually make it happen. And that's the whole goal. Yeah. How do you get people around you that are doing things that you're either not thinking about because to an extent as an entrepreneur, you kind of need to have focused vision if you're going to get anything done um, or doing things that you're not thinking about because you just don't come from the same world as them and you have a different perspective. And so I think my, my fears have shifted as we've grown from, you know, two people to, to eight people and to eight really talented and really experienced people. Now my fears are a little bit different. Um, but initially it was like, it was, I think, searching for, for validation and, and frustration around people not understanding the, the vision and communicating a vision is a hard thing to do. So. For sure. Yeah. So, so maybe tell us more about that. I, I really like that where, you know, you, you have to then surround yourself with the right people and highly experienced people to make your vision come true. So um, what, what, how do you prioritize, um, I guess, hiring, fundraising, right? I mean, as a CEO of a startup, you have like a lot of things you need to do, but tell us more about your mental model of like what I need to do today, what I need to do um, strategically or tactically and that balance. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, you, you always have to have, you always have to have that North Star clear. Where are you going? What is success? And then you've got to have something super attainable within, you know, 30 days, within 60 days, something like that. And everybody needs to be working towards that. And everybody could be you and your co-founder or you as a founder or soul, like as a solo founder or you as a, as, as your, you know, 20 or 40 person team, it doesn't matter. The, the most important thing <clears throat> for a person in my role is, is making sure that there's a very clear alignment and then there's the measurable elements to that. So um, that just changes, that whole process changes, right? When there's two of you, then you're hacking around all night trying to figure it out. You're sitting, you know, you're either putting lists together and you're hitting up Nelson Wang to make an intro to Dan Gonzalez, right? Or you're, uh, or you're, you're writing code to, to release the, the product. Um, but as you grow, it becomes a little bit more, more gets done and you spend less time as an individual doing it, and you spend more time supporting the people who are bringing it to life. And that is my favorite part of this whole thing. For that sure. is my favorite part of this whole thing. And there becomes like a moment when you start to realize your job of, of kind of recruiting and managing is as important as your job of defining and communicating the vision. And that balance, I think, is the most beautiful part. For sure, man. Yeah, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And uh, um, let's see, let's let's uh, let's let's see. Um, what yeah. Is- so so maybe maybe we'll we'll shift. I mean, because Dan, you're you're highly dynamic. I'm sure even our listeners would just know. Even we we you know they don't see you, but they know that you're like a high energy guy. Um, but also a lot of conviction. I mean, imagine that starting a company in college, right? Like that is wild for a lot of people. Um. 
where did this come from? I mean, tell us more about like, you know, where did the spirit uh, of entrepreneurship or the mindsets of entrepreneurship or of a startup mindset, where's the origin uh, in Dan's life, right? Like, is there a moment that you knew that you would want to do this types of direction? Um, yeah, I, I, I just don't, believe in conforming <laughs> i don't i don't i don't know if that makes sense that, that happens at a relatively young age or what <laughs> how did that happen yeah I, I mean you know i i can i can tell you yeah i don't need to go all the way back but there was you know my my story was really i i thought that the right thing to do was to um you know, get all A's and go to Harvard and get a law degree and, and go down that path. And, you know, that's, that's what I went into high school mindset. Right. And, um, and then I just started to explore a little bit more and I started to kind of like open my mind to the fact that there's, there's other perspectives. You don't need to live in the lane that you're, you're, you're kind of in all the time. You need to be listening to other people in other environments who are doing other things and you can't take for, you know, you, it's not about how things were done. It's about how things should be done or could be done. Um, And and that's like, that's, that's the, that's kind of the point of it. We're so lucky to live in this, in this world of of innovation. We're so lucky to live in this time um, and, and surround and have the ability to surround yourself with people who, who can have diverse perspectives and didn't grow up in the same environment or at the same school or in the same world as, as you did. You know, I've had the, I've had the, I've been fortunate enough to live in a bunch of different places to be able to surround myself in a bunch with a bunch of different people. And, um, all of that has kind of shown me that there are other ways to do things and other perspectives to have. And if you have empathy and if you can be creative, you can turn those into opportunities. For sure. Um, just wanted to do another, um, I guess just uh, pick your brain thing. What what do you think outside of raising the 1.5 million uh, seed round was like the best home run um, of the journey so far? Um, is it like seeing the fans like say we love your product? Is it like um, just having something to look at at the end of the day, or like what's what's been the big win here, or some of the big wins? Yeah, celebrating so hard. Celebrating is so hard when you're sure. It just it really is. And anybody who tells you differently, you know, is, is trained better than I, um, but <laughs> the, uh, I, I think the biggest wins have been the hires that we've made. I keep going back to that, but I can't, I can't tell you like one of the, we, we had, we've had a couple of, of off sites over the past couple of years and, you know, they've gotten a little bit more difficult um, recently, but we've done a good job of, of kind of like doing them in a safe way or, or virtually. And um you know, my personal celebration has been being able to watch a group of people talk about what we need to do and then put it into action without me having to like say anything. That, that is, that, I mean, that to me is, that is success in a, in a, in a minute there. But the other side of it, um, the, the other, I guess some of the other things that, that we've been able to celebrate and the seed round was fantastic, but the most important part of the seed round was bringing KB Partners, Drive by DraftKings, Kinetic, and this whole group of investors into our world, right? And they've been super helpful, um, which which is just you know that that's been tremendous. Um, I think when we recognized this market of independent publishers, and when we got our first three publishers on board, when the platform went live, it was a big moment of celebration. 
And then watching those publish those three publishers turn into 30 pretty quickly and then having a path to a thousand, um, that blew my mind a little bit. Can you like, uh, I guess, clarify for listeners what publisher means in, in this, um, yeah, just what, what's a publisher actually? So publisher is, uh, currently defined as a website. So for you, for example, you can go check out 49ers hive. <laughs> it's run by this amazing, uh, guy named Zach Hernandez and Zach writes about all things 49ers and in, in his articles, uh, are questions like, will the 49ers resell uh, or trade Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Or will they try and trade for Deshaun Watson? Yeah. Um, the publisher would be a full scale Philly or USA Today, MMA Junkie, those sorts of things. Oh, um, sure. Like, yeah. So that's, th- those are the type, those are, that's how we define publishers. And then those publishers are, they're sort of giving you guys like a spotlight on, on what you guys are offering. Is that how, what's happening? Uh, so they're actually using our platform oh, okay. uh, to embed to embed contextually relevant questions directly into their content. So have you ever used, uh, I, I assume you have, but on Slack or on iMessage, have you ever used the Giphy extension where you basically just put like backslash Giphy and then you can type in whatever and it surfaces up a GIF? Dude, I think I got to try that out soon. <laughs> but <laughs> I can... <laughs> Well, the, be- the best comp I've, I've kind of been able to, to explain what it is that our, our platform does is you've got a WordPress plugin or you've got a, you know, Substack extension or whatever it might be. And you can, you can put in, um, you can search 49ers and all of the most relevant questions that the 49er, 49ers community is talking about in subreddit channels across Twitter, et cetera, um, show up there and you just grab one and you embed it into your content and all of a sudden you know, whatever your headline is, like, do the Niners trade for Deshaun Watson? You embed that question, and now your headline is literally playable. Yeah, and then and then from the consumer aspect, um, me as a consumer, I would say, like, I would, I would interact with that, right? And I'd be like, I don't think they're going to trade him, or I do think, or I do hope. And, and that's sort of where... Yeah, it's literally both. It's yes or no. And you're, the points that you receive for it, the pickup coins that you receive for it, uh, are driven by uh, either, you know, you either pick a favorite, which is most likely, you know, no to Sean Watson, or you pick the underdog, which is yes, and whichever one happens, you're actually rewarded those coins. And then the marketplace that's coming to life in about a month and a half on playpickup.com, you're going to be able to convert those points or those coins to discounts on jerseys, tickets, media, et cetera. So, so, so if I wanted to... Uh, yeah, I actually do want to like in, play pickup or uh, interact with the the app. Uh, but I'm in California. Does it work that way? I mean, does you, yeah. Cali? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's not real money. Pay to get into this. I mean, I'm kind of. No, it's 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 free. Um, it's we're we're creating this opinion ecosystem, right? Uh-huh. The the opinion ecosystem already exists. We're just putting technology on top of it. So our mantra, as as it relates to to product. Um, is to fit into the user's behavior. Don't force them to create a new behavior. That's cool, man. And that's how we think about that. Cool, yeah. I think um, we covered a lot of uh, motivational and like just sports betting stuff. Um, I don't know, man. Is there a few more things that you, you want to talk about before we let Earl ask uh, what he is like standard questions are? 
Uh, you tell me uh, anything else that you're, I mean, I'm, I'm always open to, to talk sports yep. betting. Obviously if anybody um, wants to explore the space, I'm happy to do that. Get to know your favorite sports or like best sports moment you've seen in person and type of stuff like that. So um, what was your first uh, love in the sports um, as a fan? Like who was your first team that you got, that you, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, started rooting for? Followed. I <laughs> got obsessed with. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's a good question. I, so my, it's interesting because I lived on the West coast. I was born in San Francisco. And again, I was a bit of a nonconformist living in Seattle. San Francisco for what's that? How long were you uh, in San Francisco for like a few years? Or just... Yeah. Like, like two years. Okay. And, uh, but Living in Seattle, I was not a Seahawks fan. Interestingly enough, I was a Mariners fan and I was a Sonics fan, but I was a diehard Jerry Rice fan. Dude, Jerry Rice is a man. Yeah, number 80 mm-hmm. for that. Um, okay, the next question is, um, I guess, who do you got winning the Super Bowl, uh, the Chiefs or the, the Bucks? Oh, God, this is hard for me. So we worked – we were fortunate enough at my last company to build the TB12 products and to work with with Tom, and I'm also – you know, historically, I've been a Patriots fan, which, in you know, now after living in New York for 10 years, it's kind of hard to be a Patriots fan. <laughs> um, I think that the Bucks win. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's so hard. It's such this is this is going to be one of the better Super Bowls. Those two, those two, uh, Divisional championship games were amazing. If you watched those last week, if you watched the the Packers Bucks game, or if you watched the, yeah. the Bills games, those were great games. Those were some of the best football games I've watched in a long time. Um, and I hope the Super Bowl doesn't disappoint. And I don't think it will when you've got a team like Kansas City and you've got a at the home field. Uh, I guess whatever, if there is a home field, call it home field advantage. I mean, it's going to be warm. <laughs> so <laughs> that. <laughs> Um. Yeah, man. I don't know who do I got. Uh, Earl, who do, do you have a? Are you picking somebody? I, I'm. A, I know. I, I was telling my wife that I, you know, I, I, I was in Boston as an undergrad when Tom Brady his first championship. Um. So forever from that point on, I'm a Tom Brady fan because, you know, he basically was just a a backup quarterback going into the playoffs during the time, and uh, they, we won it all. So I was part of that kind of, uh, you know. Kind of rally in, uh, in you know in Fenway when the Patriots won in the early 2000s and forever in my mind uh, I'll be a Tom Brady fan so uh, I always do to every Tom Brady plays for uh. <laughs> good for you yeah I mean being a Tom Brady fan is a uh, it's it's he's been in ten Super Bowls in 21 seasons so. yeah I've got to back you guys on that I'm gonna say Tom Brady too because the Chiefs uh, broke my heart last year and. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. <laughs> and Tom Brady is, a, is like a, a Bay Area guy too, so why not, right? Um, he's probably got one or two years left in there. Well, now that we have a consensus. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. He's from San Mateo, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like that, that was, I mean. Um, yeah, our- yeah. So maybe we'll go to our kind of uh, last set of questions here, uh, that, that, yeah. Dan, Andrew. But uh, yeah, I guess that any. Yeah, I mean, if you had to summarize uh, your 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 version of a startup mindset, your your startup mindset, uh, in one to two sentences, what would that be? 
if you have conviction around something, stay the course, remain as persistent as possible. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a battle against time. And the, the longer you can stay in the game, um, and the more, the more people you can, you can communicate with and, and help bring into the fold, the closer you'll be to creating something. And so stay persistent, pers- persevere if you can. I love it. Yeah. And I think, uh, as an entrepreneur myself, you know, it's all about sticking to it and making sure you have enough time to see your vision come true. Right. Um, and our next, uh, uh, question, again, our fan favorite question is, you know, if you had to uh, give advice to your 20 year old self, um, what would it be now knowing the journey that you had in the past couple of years and now as a startup uh, CEO, um, you know, go back in time, uh, you see yourself, what will you, what will you tell yourself? It's a great question as well. Uh, so I had started my first company right around that time. Um, it's actually a little bit more of a personal thing than anything else, but the, I, I would tell myself, um, I would tell my 20 year old self to diversify my network as much as I possibly could and to take better care of myself physically and, and mentally and, and do everything in my power to, to prepare for, um, do everything in my power to kind of prepare for a, a relatively draining lifestyle, um, which means learn how to sleep, learn how to exercise, learn how to meditate, learn how to cut alcohol out when necessary, learn how to do all of the things that make you feel better and clear your mind so that you can be the best version of yourself. Dude, yeah, that's one of the uh, super, like one of the best things I've heard from people that we've asked that question to. Um, I think that's, we're close to the end now. Um, what I did want to ask is, uh, yeah, so how can, how can people find pickup and, and uh, interact with the uh, thing that you've got? Right now, go to playpickup.com. In the next three weeks, it's actually interesting to be on right now. Um, in a month, you, you know, hopefully we're having a, a pretty cool conversation because in the next three weeks, we're going to release this home base that actually allows people to play the headlines. Um, and so a lot of the stuff we've been working on for a long time will start to, to kind of come to fruition. And, um, and so keep an eye on us. If you do go to the site now, drop your email in and we'll, we'll email you when everything else is live. Um, but you can always find me at dan at playpickup.com. I like, I like talking to people that, that care about this stuff. Dude, that's awesome. And I think that that's about it for the podcast here. But, you know, love hearing uh, everything and catching up and, you know, shooting the shit. Very cool. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dan.